hey, so it's been a while since we've ended up doing any of these Unbreakable podcasts, and that's basically because as we were coming down on the end of 2015, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, what can we do? How can we keep doing them? And it just became a whole culmination of different things, like trying to get friends of mine up here at Boston University to come over and help me out and sit down for an hour and talk about sports and movies and music and all that jazz. Uh, it became kind of tough once finals week started going. People had big assignments due. I had big assignments due. It's hard to do when you have friends that are really involved. And on top of that, we wanted to figure out, by we, I mean me, our executive producer, Laura Lebrecht, uh, friends of mine that listen to the podcast or been on the podcast, what exactly we could do to make the podcast be better. So we thought about playing around with the format a little bit and making it a little bit more structured. That was a suggestion from my uh, boss over BOFX, Dan Mercurio. Uh, who's going to be on the podcast, I think, here in the near future. But basically, we're going to be playing around with it a little bit this year. Same thing I'm going to try to do with Unbreakable. This is going to be year two of the podcast, and hopefully we're going to do at least 52 episodes this year, at least one a week, um, and go through the year, have some fun with it, talk about new stuff, be a little bit funnier, maybe a little bit shorter, give you some fun stuff to do, and, I don't know, hopefully you'll enjoy. So, without further ado, welcome back to the Unbreakable Podcast for 2016. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Unbreakable Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Lenahan, sitting here in our little studio slash dorm room slash apartment room uh, at 308C here in Boston University's uh, Stuvie 2 dorm. I'm joined today by our guest, the first one of 2016 in our new experimental Unbreakable Podcast. Uh, he is a sophomore over at Syracuse University studying food studies slash communication studies slash uh taking speed bump uh business courses that are kind of hard uh my younger brother chase linehan chase how you doing i don't want the public to know i'm taking speed bump classes everybody takes speed bump classes they're part of college yeah but that's not something for the public to know <laughs> i think the public would know because i just said you're a student and that's kind of a required part of everything hey. with college hey settle down Everybody had to take uh, Com 101 here if they were going into the communication stuff at BU, so I mean... Oh, no, yeah, that's fair then. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it was it was weird business class that I had to take because uh, Whitman is kind of evil. Whitman being the, what, business school for Syracuse? Business school at Syracuse University, where I go at. Yeah. I attend. So, Chase, basically what I want to ask you here and really start off with is I just want you to tell me something that you're passionate about. Well, see, seeing that now I'm not going into business, I am more focusing on my kind of food studies career where I'm kind of getting the ins and outs of managing, running a restaurant, and uh, one day hopefully go and open up my own restaurant. That would be the dream by the end of it, but uh, so far working around some different restaurants when I uh, officially get out of college. Good call. Now, you started off by saying now that you're no longer going into business. Yes. So can you bring me back for a second just for everybody to know, because obviously I know since we've known each other our entire lives because we're related, but I think you were looking originally at going in for business for the sake of opening up like a restaurant or something like that, mm -hmm. but really, was it more of a, oh, I don't want to put in the classwork for this, or you just were so in love with food and everything that could be done with it at a collegiate level, that's what really drew you to it. Well, originally when I went into Syracuse, I had the idea of going in for business, because then that will help me get the business aspect of owning a restaurant and then do a culinary school afterwards. Um, 
but then after taking those introductory classes that we were talking about and not really kind of seeing that as more of a fit, I'm like, okay, yeah. let me just move forward the food studies aspect of it all and then kind of worry about the business aspect of it later. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I think at the same point, for people that might be in a similar spot as you, um, you can find people that are really good with business. Mm. I mean, I have friends and we have family members that are much better with numbers than I am. Um, here at BU's College of Communication is casually known as College of Optional Math. So it's just, that's not for me whatsoever. Um, but tell me a little bit about like these food study courses and what exactly it does. And further than that, where you'd want that to bring you in a world like, are you trying to make a run at like Mario Batali or are you more kind of trying to just do something with yourself? Like what exactly does being a food study student entail? Well, basically with the food studies program at Syracuse, uh, it's really kind of the introduction of like what goes into like maybe like a farm or like what goes into a food market and like what's organic what's not organic what's healthy what's not healthy and then later on within the course itself you kind of get into the more hands-on where you actually uh there's class that you can uh prepare menus you make uh you can make the menus yourself uh and kind of really get what would be the ins and outs of a restaurant overall. So really, you're studying, like, ground up. Literally ground up. Uh, kind of, rather than starting you off with, okay, here's our food and we're going to move with it from here, you're starting at how to... It's almost like if you're going for every other course, it's like, okay, let's start with the concept of food. Yes, and it's like, it's uh, really kind of gets me the idea of, like, where food comes from and uh, what goes into making a restaurant. And then, hopefully, after college, I'll be able to get the experience of what a restaurant entails in the kitchen aspect of it all, what right. needs to go into the front house, kind of get that uh, from real-life examples instead of in school. No, and that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's interesting because, um, in my own experience, we have to start off with, like, I didn't know how to use a camera until I took production classes, or uh, and I didn't know how to do a podcast until I looked up a guide online, you know, and just listening to others. So I think along those same lines... With respect to food, there's a lot you can do on a high-end stuff, but I think there's also, at least knowing you, there's a lot that you can do on a low-end scale. Oh, very, I like to say that I like to uh, expand upon box food, where I will For take, example? Like, I'll take a, um, oh, what's a good example? I'll take a, I'll take some SpaghettiOs, and I'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll go good in this, and I'll throw in some cheese, I'll throw in some salts, I'll throw in some uh, pancetta, which is just fancy bacon. Uh, and then just kind of... Gotta love fancy bacon. Yeah, you gotta, uh, cook, cook that all up, and then I kind of play around with it. So it's like, I don't really, I'm not really, like, I don't know recipes as much as more of a, like, okay, I like this food, and I like this food. Let me throw that in a pot with that. Well, I think what's interesting about that, too, is there's so much of, like, there's careers that are made of people, um, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but the guy who's, um, he has Bazaar at the SLS Hotel in Los mm -hmm. Angeles, and he has, like, a 60 Minutes profile about him, he's a Spanish chef, and his whole concept is breaking down food to its, like, most, like, molecule level, and figuring out ways to reinvent the wheel, and I don't think that really speaks I, your oh, fancy, right? Uh, that is a little above my pay grade at that point, I'm right. going to go for, like, uh, what would be described as, like, southern comfort? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, something that you're like, okay, it's a rainy day on a Sunday. What can my mom make me? Or, and, at its own level, and, and sorry to cut you off, oh, but it's, fine. like, you want to figure out something that you could make in your dorm room and basically just take... It, for example, I don't know how to cook at all. You obviously do. 
But you're coming up with ideas or concepts for food that I, an idiot, could take and run with rather than setting the bar so high that it's like you would have need to have graduated with my degree to even understand step one of the recipe. It's like instead of having like a little bomb that's like a uh, that's uh, like uh, mozzarella cheese that'll explode in your mouth, I'll give you like, oh, it's a plate of popcorn with some uh, truffle salt. There you go. It's really tasty. It's yeah, delicious. like, yeah. It, you can make the, it's it, the stuff that's made, um, and I mean this as a compliment, like BuzzFeed thrives, I think, on those, like, sort yeah. of simplistic recipes, but it, that's kind of an interesting avenue to take. So, for you, would it be a matter of opening up a restaurant with that, trying to go a career, or do you have absolutely no idea? Because you're also two years younger than me. Well, it's, uh, with, with, uh, what I'm thinking of is that I have an idea for a restaurant that I could implement at some point, but... Overall, I'm more looking to get maybe an internship or start working underneath some chefs that I uh, really high uh, like have as high remarks and uh, kind of learn from that. And then, uh, do you have somebody in mind that would be like your ultimate well, dream? Just person, like for example, me would be Bill Simmons. It's like um, uh, Bobby Flay would be fantastic. Good answer for that too. Uh, it's like I've always appreciated what he has done. He doesn't t- go too crazy, but he goes crazy enough where it's uh, interesting. Yeah, um, I, I love Gordon Ramsay, but I would be terrified to cook with him. <laughs> I, I get that sense. He seems like a nice guy for the most part, yeah. but it just uh, he can be a little bit sharp. And I think again, you're more of the like sort of laid back style, which it's, is I think welcoming within that sort of community. It's like I I am uh, I am very good under a no pressure circum uh, like area, but uh, as soon as you give me a little bit of pressure, that's where I kind of. Get a little angry and get my, uh, oh, I forget his name at the moment. Get a little bit frazzled yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And now, um, I gotta ask, just for the sake of people listening, because I want to make this as interesting as possible for them, hopefully they'll take something away. Mm. Specifically, hopefully, one of your ideas or one of your concepts for food that might be, like, accomplishable for somebody listening to pull off. Oh, um... Well, my ideal thing I like to cook that's like great, great for like a dorm room or any kind of like oven in or not oven uh, microwave and that's it uh, is make a bo- uh, make a bag of popcorn any popcorn you like uh, then take a little bowl add a little bit of butter in it melt that up put it on the side and then get parmesan cheese and uh, any salt you like any fancy crazy salt or just normal kind of salt. Uh, always put the butter in first because then after you put in the salt, that will grasp onto the butter and same with the Parmesan. Just give it a nice shake around and then you get like some, not, not just traditional movie popcorn, but like kind of what, what like would be really good to watch, uh, have during, uh, a nice movie night or something along those lines. So basically how many years is that also going to take off my life when I, Oh, probably too many. (laughs) But it's worth it, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm not seeing past 25, but do you know what? I'm, I'm enjoying it. Okay, I'm really hungry, so we should probably move on from there. But the fun thing is now we're going to head into our first segment of the revamped Unbreakable podcast, which is Rapid Fire Questions, uh, helped uh, be curated by our executive producer, Laura Lebrecht. Uh We've got five Rapid Fire Questions for you. Uh, try to put as little amount of thought in these unless you really need them. But right. uh, we've got crazy stuff for you. Hopefully it's good. Are you ready? I'm all good. Okay, question number one. If you could bathe in any liquid besides water, what would it be? Um, probably Coca-Cola because I feel like that would be somehow hygienic in a weird, weird way because there's so many chemicals in it that it would be kind of delicious. Yeah, kind of the way that it would, like, it, like, it cleans chrome if you pour it out and things like that. It's like it would take off dead skin somehow and I would be all, 
Like, it Probably gain superpowers or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, along those lines. Question number two. What's your most used emoji? Um... Oh, probably now the middle finger, just because I feel like that's, uh, that's always comes in handy for anyone that kind of gets on I forgot they had nerve. the middle finger emoji. I, I do too, but then as soon as I learned it, I'm like, oh, I'm using this every time. I have talk. used the crying face emoji more than any other human on the <laughs> That has planet. to be number two, I would have to say. Yeah. Question number three. What's your shoe size? Uh, size 13 shoes. Are you a giant? N- no. <laughs> okay, I have to just throw this in for context. So Chase is my younger brother. You are a sophomore in college, but you're 19. Yes. Um, I am 21, two years older and a year older in school. My youngest brother is Carrie. He's a junior in high school and just turned 17. Chase, you are how tall? Uh, ooh, I don't know. Uh, like 6'2". I haven't really checked Like 6'2". Carrie is like 6'1". I'm 5'3". Something is wrong. I, not not to really throw shade on Carrie though, but it's like he's like six one, but that one inch is partially the hair itself. Yeah, he does have like his own sort of style of hair, kind of like Fry from Futurama. Yeah, it works for him, but oh, it's, it, it, it won't. Once again, it's a nice hairstyle. I'm just saying it adds an extra inch. Oh, but it looks really good on you, SpongeBob. <laughs> okay, question number four. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, pets and peeves. <laughs> no, legit. What's your biggest um, pet peeve? Mm, uh, probably being interrupted. Really? Yeah, 100%. I'm gonna just apologize for everything that has totally, happened totally in fine. our entire lives together. What, what, once again, I, uh, I like to uh, bring up the uh, joke that's uh, I'm Irish, so I'll take all my Okay, points. hold on, we have to get to question number five. Fine, okay, jeez. <laughs> what would be your last meal if you were to be executed? I think this works um, well, given you're like a food fan. Um, Probably a really good steak and some french fries. Steak feeds. Okay, now if you were to get the steak, like how are you getting it prepared? What kind of steak? Medium. You're my food guy. You have to give me complex answers. Medium, um, uh, filet mignon, uh, and then just nice crispy fries. Not not too overdone. Okay, so hold on. To settle this debate. <laughs> if you're going around and say this extends beyond where we're from in Waverly, Pennsylvania, oh, yeah. where we have like our own lim- little limited stuff with regards to what food chains are in what demographical areas of the United States, yes. where would you want to get French fries from of all the places we've tried across the country and outside the country? Uh, like, uh, so it's not from our little area, it's from like right. anywhere. So, and it, you can answer Ooh. in and out if you want to. This is our bonus six question, obviously, since you're the food guy. Uh, I would actually have to say uh, the ones that our, our mom makes, because she will really? make them like a little extra, like when she does the deep frying to them all. This is just... Like you know, such nepotism in your answer. No, it's it, but it, once again, it's hard to it's hard to make fries. I've realized. How? I, I Wait, did you burn down your dorm or something? No, I'm not practicing. But I'm just saying, it's like it's hard to get a good crispy fry nowadays. I don't really can I can't pinpoint like one restaurant. Where I'm like, oh, I like I really really like your fries. Okay, so cut the mushy gushy answer ah. and answer which fast food fries. Are the oh, best? um, I like Wendy's. I'm really okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. I, I, I like a little salt on my fries. Which so. ones are the most overrated? Uh, McDonald's by far. Yeah, it's an ex- it, that's an objective answer. McDonald's, uh, McDonald's fries are not good, and if you say so, you're wrong. Saying that, I uh, would argue that Burger King is slowly getting there because it's starting to get yeah. a little bit weird and mushy. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's kind of odd that. Yeah. But. Sorry, we got sidetracked by food there a little bit. We've done <laughs> our next segment for you. Uh, something kind of fun. Would you rather? Okay. So the way we came up with some of these questions, and we're going to build on these over time and hopefully take suggestions from friends, uh, people that are guests of the podcast, um, people that just want to give us any. And uh, what we did is we looked at some of the top-rated ones from the Would You Rather subreddit on the website Reddit because we figured they'd be as weird as possible but also fun to debate. So you ready for your first one? Let's do it. Okay. 
Would you rather have a realistic, long-term relationship with the love of your life, or live in the Pokemon world? Oh, wow. I was expecting, like, a contradictory one, but that one was, like, a... Oh. This is a layup, right? Yeah, I would have to go, go Pokemon, frankly. You have to go Pokemon, yeah. right? Well, it's... there's another version of this question out there that I've seen, which is, um, would you rather have world peace or live in the Pokemon world, and who would your starter be? <laughs> uh, and, but you can also find love in the Pokemon world. That's can like... you, though? Yeah. No, well, think about it. If you live Pokey in the Pokemon world... So, let's expand Wait, this question a lot little... weird when I say that. Let's get theoretical with this question for the sake of debate. Okay. The Pokemon world, which I think everybody is at least roughly familiar with that would be listening to this, whether or not they've had children that played the game, they played the game themselves, or they grew up with it being the hottest thing of the late 90s into the early 2000s to the point that people still play it today. The Pokemon world... Let's add in the caveat that if you live in the Pokemon world, you're living by Ash Ketchum rules. Okay. So you're going to be your age right now forever. Yeah, you can be 19. So you can be 19 forever, meaning that you can't legally go and drink in the Pokemon world, but I'm not even sure they have it. You're living by a bunch of animals that either want to kill you or saying their own names in the case of Meow, they're speaking to you. And all you're doomed to do is hopefully try to become the champion and probably interact with, like, some creepy weird people that are trying to, like, you know, kidnap you or your pets. That kind of sounds like a harsh life, no? Uh, like, it sounds like a harsh life, but it's also, like, uh, I, I don't feel like it would be, the, like, I feel like it would be, like, interesting to go around and then have, like, a little animal, like, walk up to you and be like, hi, I'm a Pokemon, and, but, like, in Pokemon terms. Uh, Pika and, Pika. Yeah. It's like, it, it's Pika like, Pika. Not, not all Pokemon are violent, like, they're... They're like they're literally bred and designed to fight one another. Well, one another, but not other humans. They, some Ash in some. the first four episodes gets shocked by Pikachu. Yeah, but I mean, also I could take a Pikachu. Okay, but hold on, just to take the contrarian stance on this, you have the other option is a realistic, uh, like long-term relationship with the love of your life. So okay. let's imagine this beautiful blonde woman. Betty is her name. Let's just go with it. She's there. She's like, let's go see Matt and Kim in concert and then come back and eat our, like, cardiac arrest popcorn. Does that not sound like the greatest? Do you know me? <laughs> Betty? <laughs> I like that Betty is the thing you take shooting I, I like, to. I'm just, like, it was just so depth and I was just like, I have to pinpoint one of them. I was trying to come up with what would be the funniest possible name there, and Betty is what I went with. Sue me. So, <laughs> you have the option of living as a perma 19 year old in a land full of killer monsters that can only speak their own names, and there's like weird rules about food because you can't eat them, but like they're food, unless they are food, and it's really odd, and you have to keep going, and like your whole life is based off of fighting, but not you fighting, but your pets fighting, but you love them. Or Betty and Popcorn. <laughs> Betty and Popcorn. I uh, gotta say, Betty and Popcorn sounds a little bit I but I mean attractive, right? But it's it like it's obviously a tempting offer, but once again it's like I feel like needlessly fighting in constant worry of creatures that only speak their own name coming at you and running out and just needing to fight, I think that's kinda entertaining in its weird way. But Chase, you have to understand that, do you realize how rare it would be to have a realistic long-term relationship with the love of your life? Apparently, Betty. No, do you know why? Because it's less rare than finding a uh, shiny Pikachu, so I'm totally with you on living in the Pokemon world for the entirety of your life. You're you're an asshole. (laughs) I don't really deny this, all things considered. (laughs) 
Okay, Chase, because I want to only have this be fun, just, like, let's get right to it. Um, let's head into the give me something portion of this. Because awesome. you are, much like me, kind of, I think, like a pop culture junkie in your own right. But like would it be so. fair to say we, like, it's not that we constantly disagree on things. It's just that I think we have very different tastes in things. Uh, we, like, we always we always see something in a different light, I, yeah. I think, because it's like we will be discussing about, like, for example, the uh, new Kendrick Lamar album. And you have a, a certain stance on it, and I'll be opposing to it because I like it. But I also think that it's like the music, it's weirdly off-putting in a weird way. Like, I'm a bigger fan of, like, funky kind of music or rap music in general than I think you would be. Not to say you're not, yeah. but, like, for example, what's the most played song on your iPod? Do you know? Um, it is Do I Want to Know by the Arctic Monkeys. That's an odd thing that you know off the top of your head. Mine's Black Skinhead by Kanye. Um, it, no, that's only because it's the best song on Yeezus, which came out right as I got my laptop. Oh, so it's had three years to stay as the top. Well, my my two have interchanged where it's either Breeze Blocks by Alt-J or um, Do I Want to Know by the Arctic Monkeys. I can because, go to those. Uh, those came out right as soon as I uh, went up to college. And I was like, oh, yeah, music. And then I kind of really got into more uh, indie music from there. But those yeah. have been kind of like the ones that broke me into that field. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So let's go right into Give Me Something, and let's just awesome. kick it off with music to keep this train going. Yes. What was your thing that you wanted to give me a suggestion on or give people a suggestion? Um, I would probably go with the new Gary Clark Jr. album. Because... Okay, yeah, let's talk about this, because this is, yes. I think, The Ballad of Sonny Boy Slim. Yes. I have heard maybe five songs off the album, and I ju- maybe it was I wasn't paying attention enough when I was listening to it. Um, where would you put it with regards to the rest of the catalog of Gary Clark Jr.? Um, it's a different take, I would have to say, where it's like, it's not, uh, it's, it's kind of put in a different time frame, I would have to say. It's like, it's kind of moved back to more, like, dark, like, weirder blues, kind of like old blues fashion, but then others are, like, kind of upbeat, like, 60s almost music. Okay, that's interesting, though, because with Gary Clark Jr. especially, I think he's an interesting artist, in as much as he's shown such promise as, like, a blues guitarist and, like, as a rock star with stuff like Next Door Neighbor Blues, or especially um, Bright Lights, and uh, his whole like EP just full of songs that's very like guitar-driven. Yeah. But on his um, first album, Black and Blue, when he did that, you have songs like Numb, that are like borderline Nirvana-ish. You have songs like Travis County, which are more like kind of funky, kind of southern songs. Uh, it, he was really a little bit all over the place and just sampling. All of it I liked, but so you're basically saying this is more him focusing his sound more to like a directly blues influenced blues idea, right? It, yeah, it's like more like he really kind of put himself out of time with this, where he brought it back uh, to like older generations, where it's like um, the healing reminds me a lot of like an old old blues kind of artist, like not not directly like BB King, but like kind of like stuff if, around. If that. you needed to pull a name out of your hat, exactly. BB. And it, then he, like, goes into, like, almost, like, swing, I would have to say, where it's, like... Okay. It's, like, a swing with the addition of, like, good guitar. Can he pull it off? That's uh, the biggest question. Uh, in my opinion, yes. Okay. I like that, then. Because I I just enjoy having him around so much. I think... And I don't want to get too, like, you know, metaphorical or pompous about it, but it's like, you know, rock music is not what it is anymore, yeah. and I think having him around makes me happy as somebody that's a mm. fan of rock music, because I think he has the chance to go over and be a little bit more mainstream. That would then tie into what I wanted to talk about, which is, we found out earlier this afternoon that um, unless something big happens, 
we're going to be seeing Gary Clark Jr. and many other people at yeah. Governor's Ball 2016. Which, uh, my question is to you, uh, if you get rid of Kanye, who is like the oh. one on your list that you would want to see the most? Okay, well, hold on. Let me run this back for one oh, second. Wait. In as much as Kanye is going to be like the one I'm most interested in. That's what I thought. Pretty much because this is going to be like his year to come back. Yes. Because he's been gone since Jesus, other than a couple of a little loose things. But if he's heading the same way as... Uh, like the Good Fridays, where he's releasing music every week, and he's got Swish coming out next month, and then he's going to probably be going on tour, if this is the case. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes me really excited, because there's nobody more interesting making music right now than him. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about that. Um, outside of him, in terms of people I'm interested to see, I've seen some of the top liners before. Oh, I right. saw Beck at Boston Calling last year, and he was really strong, um, and just like kind of really into it. He also has a better catalog of music um, in terms of, like, he could play a 20-song set and I'd be entirely okay with it. Mm. Um, I don't know. And I'm trying to think. I'd probably the one I'd be most curious about is I'm a little bit fascinated by the Strokes all in all. And seeing them play in New York City I think is going to be really cool um, with the addition of, like, seeing Julian Casablanca's live who I caught when he played live with his solo project. Oh, right. um, Because he's lent vocals to other people. Yeah. But in, if they're going to reunite and do another album, I just think the Strokes, kind of in the same way with Gary Clark Jr., who I haven't seen live, so I'm going to be dying to see him. Uh, that will be cool just to see how it's all going to play. I'll give you a dark horse person, though, is uh, I saw Action Bronson at a Ooh. small club right next to where I live called the Paradise Rock Club here in Boston. And uh, he sends people into more of a frenzy over music than what? I have ever seen. So I'm kind of interested in just seeing uh, how the crowd goes completely and utterly insane when his music goes on. It was bigger mosh pit than I've ever seen. And uh, I was being like borderline thrown into the stage because I was going to get killed by... Uh, see, Action, Action Bronson's up there because it's like I've started to slowly listen to more and more of his music. Yeah. And I've become fascinated with uh, fascinated with him because he's also a uh, very good chef. Everything ties back to food today, right? Oh, it, it's just one of those days. Uh, but then I will give you three bands that I'm going to force you to go see. Go for it. Um, and I'll start off with Death Cab for Cutie. Totally in on that. Uh, because they have some really good music on their latest album. And uh, a bunch of their older stuff is very, uh, very worthwhile. Um, next would be of Monsters and Men. Because... Totally in on that. You've seen them, what, twice? This will be my third time seeing them. Good call. Um, and probably more at that point because I... Uh, have you listened to Beneath the Skin? No. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to uh, force you guys to listen to that at some point because um, Beneath the Skin is one of my top albums for this year because it flows so well into each each song. I can respect that. Uh, and then The Killers as my uh, last option because that was... Uh, I saw them play a Firefly. They're just great. Really? Like, Brandon Flowers is one of the better uh, front people I've seen in a while. I'll tell you this much. I can skip Mr. Brightside, which I hate for some reason as a song, really? but uh, I will be very excited to see When You Were Young live. That's a really strong track. It's like, uh, I, all their songs there sound fantastic when played live. Yeah. Uh, and another Dark Horse band I would throw out there is that there's a band called Mr. Wives. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about them. I think they played at that Paradise Rock Club as well. Uh, they are slowly making it more and more big. Uh, but they're very, very interesting and very cool. I like it. Okay, so we've got movies, TV, and sports left to go. Where do you want to go next? Um, let's do... Hmm. 
You choose. Yeah, you're the host. Okay, um, I'll toss out sports just because I had an interesting one. And it's uh, the ongoing quest for Vontez Perfect of the Cincinnati Bengals to be the dirtiest player in football. And I don't want to stand up on a gigantic soapbox and talk about, like, we need to solve dirty hits and everything like that. And it's like, look, football is a violent game, and I understand that. And we can't pretend that we don't kind of fetishize, to some extent, um, violence between the players. Mm -hmm. And the way we treat uh, defensive players, especially, that we encourage them to destroy people, but don't do it too hard. All of that said, oh my god, last night, uh, while we were out at the movies, the Bengals played the Steelers. And late in the game, the Steelers ended up winning because wide receiver Antonio Brown was trying to make a catch. He failed. And then Vontez Perfect tried to kill him by leading helmet to helmet with him. Uh, everywhere online should have some form of a clip of this, including Deadspin.com, which is where I had seen it. But this guy seems like he's averaging one insane hit a week. And I know he's had behavioral issues going back to college at Arizona State. And he is just unbelievable to watch in every sense of the word in mm. as much as he's a really, really talented player, but he seems like a complete head case and he's playing the most dangerous position in sports yeah. to actually cause physical harm to people. Well, yeah, because it's like you look now and it's like corners are probably the people that give off the dirtiest, like just like the dirtiest plays in football so far because it's yeah. like they are the ones that are the causing most of the hits. But they weigh less than Perfect does. Yeah. Perfect's like 300 pounds. Yeah. And that's, that's the one problem is that that hit was just too, too bad. Like it was, yeah. Uh, we actually, if I could go back a little bit, I, I took a class where um, my professor told me that it's like, what would be the best thing for American football to uh, do? And it was to take away every pad, every helmet, yeah. and make it more of like rugby, because then it's like they're on their own fault if they get hurt. It, that's a good point. And I think that's kind of a fascinating thing. Joe Paterno had once said, take away the face mask, yeah. because you're not going to risk your face to end up making a tackle. That's why we have so many people leading with their helmet. Exactly. And once again, if you put on a helmet that's basically pretty like over glorified weapon yeah. it's like you can really hurt some people absolutely so for sports what did you have for us um i basically i want to i wanted to inform everybody that my hunt for my nhl team is over and <laughs> the much anticipated announcement here i know the uh it's been a solid three days since i've been <laughs> pondering it over and i realized that i am going to go with uh the capitals as my favorite team the Washington Capitals. Yeah. <laughs> Curious how many players can you name out the Washington Capitals? Ovechkin. What's his first name? Alex. How many other players can you name? Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> Your hockey fandom is going to go I, just fine. Well, I just, I, I went to my first hockey game uh, in uh, to the Scranton Wilkesbury Penguins, and then I came up to BU and I saw a, uh, a BU game. So it's I've, I've had a higher appreciation for the sport itself. So I'm going to start following the Capitals until uh, until I realize either I like them or I do not. But they're the team that's going to basically be my hard knocks, almost. You're here. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Groundbreaking announcements on the Unbreakable Podcast. <laughs> I put on the hat and everything. So we've got uh, movies and TV left. Where do you want to go next? Um, I'd probably say TV. Okay, what do you got for me in TV? Um, I would probably go with the TV show... Sherlock. Okay, you're going to kill me if I don't watch Sherlock. Every single time, because I went to go see the uh, Sherlock uh, special episode that was set in Victor Victorian times uh, in our local movie theater, 
And it was just amazing because I didn't know how much it would actually relate to the plot itself. And it related a lot more than expected to. Uh, so I highly suggest any Sherlock fans to go and get a chance to watch that because it will be very crucial for upcoming Sherlock series. Uh, but then I would also want my older brother to finally uh, appreciate the great options I have for him uh, by actually watching a TV show that is really, really good. Okay, so here's what I'll put out there. And are you familiar with the concept of an elevator pitch? I, I am... Uh, I'm... I know the uh, concept of someone who just does not want to watch no, 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 shows. No, no. That... Just for it, like, here's essentially what I'm looking for. Give me like two or three sentences on what Sherlock is about slash why I should watch it, and give me what the time commitment is. Because, for example, if I were trying to sell somebody watch all of The Simpsons, I would have to include. By the way, it's 27 seasons long. All right. So basically, all I can say is egotistical uh, genius. But with the addition of uh, three episodes with only an hour 30 for each episode. So it's three episodes period or three seasons of three episodes? Uh, it is uh, uh, one season there is three episodes. Each are an hour and 30 minutes. So they're basically upwards of a movie. Okay. But it's it gives so much in each episode so i could pretty much be done with this within a week if i committed to oh it. yeah i that's, okay. that's what happened with me okay i could i could do that then um my tv thing is similarly on the short side and i was done with it within a week um which actually was funny because my christmas gift to you was the tv shows uh, the last <laughs> man on earth which i haven't watched yet and rick and morty which i beat you to watching all of yes <laughs> so i'm a big fan of animated television just because i like the playfulness of the genre Rick and Morty is kind of a parody of Back to the Future, which is a boy and his grandfather, which traveled through dimensions, but it comes from uh, Dan Harmon, who's a co-creator, who's also responsible for community. It's very smart about the tropes of television and science fiction that it's going through. It's really, really funny, really, really dark, and it's just a lot of fun and super entertaining to watch. I completely understand why it might not be some people's cup of tea, but for those that it is, it's just terrific and uh, you need to watch the second season of that really quick because uh, some of the most quotable lines i can think of in my, like television over the last year of me watching have come from that show I, it's, that's on my list where i'm going to finish that up and then uh go on to the last man on earth uh and then figure out from there what uh, what else i need to watch good call okay so we've got movies left where do uh what do you got for us in movies um well we can talk about the golden globes right yeah, we can talk about it. So we're recording this on Sunday night, right before the Golden Globes. This is going to go up um, when you're listening to this, probably on Monday or later, um, for the Unbreakable Podcast. But we've got the Golden Globes tonight. What specifically are you looking forward to there? Well, I'm just, uh, frankly, I'm uh, very interested in Ricky Gervais's performance as host, again, for the Golden Globes. I love him. Uh, but then I I'm, I'm more want to talk about the, the uh, best picture and... Like, there's no real clear winner, I don't think. If you're betting smart money, it's Spotlight. And that's that's what I've heard. I'm... And let me put this If I had a ballot, because I know you haven't seen it yet, I would probably vote Spotlight as Best Picture. Mm. But if I went back and watched them again, you could sway me, and that's the first time in a long time that you could do that. And But the other problem is then uh, we have to look through it. Like, we both have not seen Brooklyn, and that's right. supposed to be... I want to see Brooklyn because I like that series running. Yeah. 
And um, she was in the Grand Budapest Hotel last year, which I really liked. I, which I didn't realize that was her for the longest time. Yeah, she's the one with the um, uh, birthmark that looks like Mexico, as they call mm. it in there. It, no, that's really interesting. Now, do you have a vested interest in any of the categories specifically tonight, or are you just excited to try and win our family's ballot pool? Basically, I want to I win. I always want to win. I'm very competitive. Um, of course. But on top of that, uh, I wanted to bring up real quick where, in The Revenant, uh, who is the one captain? Oh, so um, that's Domino Gleason. Oh, wait. Uh, Do- Domino Gleason, who's also in Star Wars: The Fork Awakens. You would also know him from the movie Frank. He's um, uh, he's in the movie Brooklyn as well. Yeah, Domino Gleason has had a really good year. Oh, he was in. Uh, a, no, no, that was not him. Uh, but I was going to bring up just saying, uh, you would enjoy the movie Frank by a okay. lot because I've watched that now twice. In that it's uh, both hilarious and very, very kind of like dark in its own way. It's short-sighted of me to say this, but I knew who Don Colonel Gleason was when it was there, but mm. seeing him in movies after Frank that Frank would have led to has actually made me want to go back and treat that with more respect, because it's him and Michael Fassbender. And Fassbender yeah. was Fassbender when you saw it, but Don yeah. Gleason, it's like, oh, this guy's a star now, so, so it, like that retroactively becomes a bigger movie as a yeah. result. But it's also, it's like, the one thing I'll mention is that, that uh, Frank is actually not Michael Fassbender's movie, and more... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's like, that's... That's why I thought more interesting, because that really kind of launched his career to yeah. more better things. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to throw a curveball, because uh, mm-hmm. before we tape this, I wrote about The Revenant tonight, which is a review. I'm going to start doing, I think, more regular movie and reviews of things uh, for Unbreakable, so I don't need to waste time there. Uh, I want to talk about one of the trailers that premiered last night, which is for The Free State of Jones, the Civil War movie with <sighs> Matthew McConaughey, which I can't decide if it looks amazing or absolutely god-awful. But it's McConaughey, so I'm going to go see it. That movie got my interest by a lot, because you don't really see too many in that time period, frankly. Yeah, it's weird. Or if you do recently, and it, this is not a bad thing, because the movies that have come out have been terrific. They're more like kind of like slavery-driven, yeah. or like biopics or things like this. And this is, but it's not like the most obvious one made. And it exactly. also is coming out at a weird time. I don't think it's like straight-up Oscar bait. I don't know. It's it, That's a movie to keep an eye on. Because, especially this year, as we head towards award season now, um, release dates don't necessarily matter as much anymore. Because, for example, uh, Ex Machina, which came out, like, in March or uh, April of 2015, Mm -hmm. has been cleaning up and getting nominations for Best Picture at a bunch of these critical award shows. And it's the same thing happened with uh, Grand Budapest, which came out in March of then 2013. Mm -hmm. And then at the... 2014. I don't know. I've lost count of all these things. But it comes out early in the year and sticks around. Where normally we're used to, you hit, uh, as soon as we go back to school, that's when all the good quote-unquote movies of the year come out. No, uh, this is really interesting now. And that's why this movie not coming out now doesn't necessarily mean it's not an Oscar contender. And it's just like a I also think this is interesting because McConaughey has gone through his McConaissance the last couple of years. If this is him losing his uh, hot streak and doing a little bit of like a okay, you get a little overconfident, bring it back down, go do a rom com, and then keep doing Oscar roles. Yeah. Or if this is him continuing in a hot streak and a complete reinvention for an actor that I like. And like that's totally fair because that's a very very uh, big question because it's like it's an interesting uh, trailer, uh, but it's like I want to kind of see where he takes that. Yeah. Okay, so Chase, you got anything else for us? Or I think that's pretty much got me all set up for us. Uh, well, the only thing I'll throw out, that just continuing on movies for a second, is that I would uh, uh, push everyone to go watch the trailer for High Rise. Uh, it's a kind of psychological horror. The guy that plays oh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. I, I'll, that. I'll show you after the podcast. It's uh, 
really really good trailer. I think that's that's probably the most uh, the uh, movie I'm next excited for. Good call. Chase, thank you very much for joining us no and problem. actually for staying with me up here in Boston this weekend. Um, thank you very much, and we hope to have you back on the podcast sometime again when we're probably back at home or when you're back at Syracuse. Sounds great. Perfect. Perfect. The Unbreakable Podcast is hosted by me, Connor Lenahan. Our executive producer is Laura Labreck. Our art direction was done by Dan Esberg and Caitlin McIntyre. Our music comes from GarageBand. Our website is unbreakableconnorlenahan.com, and our Twitter is at UnbreakablePod and at Connor Lenahan if you want more. We hope that you'll listen to us again soon and check out all that Unbreakable has to offer. Thanks for listening.